Welcome to the Georgia Fintech Academy podcast. The Georgia Fintech Academy is a collaboration between Georgia's fintech industry and the University System of Georgia. This talent development initiative addresses a massive demand for fintech professionals and gives learners the specialized education experiences needed to enter the fintech sector. Hi, everybody. This is Tommy Marshall, the executive director of the Georgia Fintech Academy. Welcome to our weekly podcast. This is season two, episode 23. It's August 5th, 2021. And I am glad to introduce you all to Jagruti Solanki, the CFO of BitPay, who is our executive guest today, and Tariq Wasim, our student guest from Georgia State. Welcome to you both. It's great to have you. Thanks for having us. Jagruti, I would like um, to not only welcome you, but we'll give you a chance to just introduce yourself to our audience. I have um, really valued the opportunity to get to know you over the last uh, several years, personally and professionally here in our ecosystem. And um, I was uh, so excited when you uh, became the CFO uh, relatively recently at BP, BitPay. I know, I know it wasn't just yesterday, but um, tell us about you. Tell us about your career uh, and your engagement in this uh, area. Yeah, well, uh, firstly, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to uh, talk to everyone here. Um, uh, so yeah, let's see, where do I start? Uh, well, maybe I'll start from when I came to the United States. Uh, it was 2006. Uh, I came here for my MBA. Um, actually, went straight to Iowa uh, to my MBA. Uh, it was very fun, uh, very much ex- very exciting because uh, I guess the first thing, you know, when you're not in the U.S., you think about uh, studying in the U.S., you're thinking New York. You're think, think, thinking that's where you're going to, and then you end up in Iowa. And, you know, it kind of looks very, very different, right? Um, so that was kind of my initial experience of uh, kind of getting in the country. Uh, uh, eight months of uh, MBA on campus, and then I decided to uh, continue my further education. So uh, distance said um, I got my internship uh, at Aprio uh, it's one of the top 50 CPA yeah. firms uh, uh, based in Atlanta um, and actually a funny story uh, the way I moved from Iowa to Atlanta uh, m- now my husband back then he was a, a good classmate and a good friend uh, he got a job here in Atlanta and he said you know if I wanted to try uh, something here and you know I was like sure I threw my bags in his car and you know we drove here together uh, so I got my internship at Aprio uh, in the audit department. Uh, so I would say, you know, I was with Aprio about 12 years. Uh, half of my career, I focused on uh, a lot of companies. Uh, I, I did audits of non-for-profits, alternative investments. Uh, I did professional services, a little bit of manufacturing. Uh, it was fun. I learned a lot. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, the other half of my career, the remaining six years, uh, I started getting more into technology space. Uh, and with tech companies, it was fintech, uh, software, and SaaS. Uh, those were primarily who I worked with. Um, companies of all sizes, uh, small, early uh, early stage companies with zero dollars in revenue, uh, all the way to companies, uh, you know, almost getting into IPO phase. Uh, so it was seen a broad range of uh, companies with different kind of uh, uh, different phases of the business cycle. Um, and in this 
six years working in tech space, uh, an opportunity came along uh, where, uh, you know, I was still an audit manager and, uh, you know, I got an opportunity to be uh, on BitPay's audit. Uh, so I asked my su- su- supervisor uh, to put me on the account uh, because I had no idea what blockchain was, what Bitcoin was. And frankly, I didn't really believe uh, in the whole concept back then. Uh, so that's really how my journey started. It started with BitPay uh, about six, uh, six, seven years back. Uh, uh, you know, as as their auditor, and uh, fast forward many years, uh, you know, I kind of grew a lot of personal passion in the space. Uh, yeah, I did a lot of personal research, studying, and just uh, you know, just helped with uh, overall community uh, of blockchain, and especially in the accounting and audit side, uh, where there were no uh, guidance at all. Uh, so, I kind of helped uh, you know formulate some of those and. Uh, uh, just got very deeply involved uh, in in blockchain space, and uh, last November I decided uh, it was about time for me to experience the industry side of the world, uh, which is when you know I decided to uh, join BitPay, uh, and uh, now I'm here uh, as the CFO. Awesome, it's such a great story, and um, you know I think about that engagement you had, I guess, starting six or six years ago or so through Appio with, with BitPay as the auditor, um, I mean, you all were breaking ground. I mean, this was, um, you know, BitPay, which we'll talk about in a minute, was, you know, really one of the first companies to see a real opportunity around uh, cryptocurrency. And, uh, but then as a result, of, you know, we're needing to run a company, you've got to go through, uh, you know, proper um, uh, controls and, and audit process. Uh, but this whole area of cryptocurrency was just so so new. I mean, there was um, just a lot of, I know, trial and error and trying to figure out how to really appropriately um, do do an audit in this zone. And um, it's just been, it's, kind of, it's super cool. And, you know, I know you're like one of the leading thinkers now in this whole area around um, proper um, kind of financial oversight of um, of a company that's uh, that's been so um, cutting edge um, in this in this space. Tariq, um, tell us a little bit about you because uh, I, I think of you as one of our you know really engaged students um, in this space of uh, blockchain, cryptocurrency, and more. Yeah, and I just want to say thanks again for having me. Yeah, so for those who don't remember me, my name is Tariq Wasim. I am He's back. Senior, yeah, He's back. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> um, so I'm a senior at Georgia State University, um, which finished up my last semester. And I currently, I founded and I currently run the blockchain group at Georgia State, um, specifically the Atlanta campus, but our services are offered to anyone within the university school system of Georgia. So definitely encourage you to check us out. But how I got into crypto and blockchain was when I first became a freshman at Georgia State. Um, That whole freshman year is where you find your people, you find your place. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to find my place just as easy. So around the time when 2017 and the bull run, first pretty significant one happened. I was there along with my people that I met and then crypto winter happened and that's when everything went silent. And that's where I learned that 
what I like to say is like the real work happens when people aren't paying attention. And the real work for me was finding my people. So I decided to start this group of people to just learn together and focus on what the bigger picture, what we see has formed into what we see today. And that is blockchain and crypto getting highlighted on mainstream. So the whole mission from freshman year up until now was educating people about crypto, blockchain, the impact it could have on your studies at school, and just how to safely navigate um, some of the trends going on like DeFi, NFTs, um, digital assets. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at right now. Yeah, it's really, it's just been so exciting and it's been fun with the FinTech Academy to when I started in this role as the executive director a, a year and a half ago to, well, I guess first to see that the professors were, you know, already trying to think about how to incorporate conversations around distributed ledger technology, um, which is another term for blockchain and mm-hmm. cryptocurrency and uh, and then, of course, to see some excitement, you know, I guess consistently across the board, the most exciting topic, I think it's safe to say when I talk to students for them is cryptocurrency. <laughs> I mean, it's like every student event you've been to a lot of them with me that we have, you know, no matter what we're talking about, when it comes to Q&A time, like one of the first questions is always, a, what do you think about cryptocurrency and how is it going to impact your business? Yeah. Uh, and so. Of course, um, there's more to fintech than cryptocurrency, and uh, so we're always, you know, trying to give the full picture of fintech. But then we also want to harness the excitement of, of cryptocurrency that uh, and what that brings um, with students. So um, it's been cool, and beyond what you started with your um, student group. Um, at, at Georgia State. Um, Georgia State also has a, a blockchain lab that they created uh, a few years ago that they run out of the Entrepreneurship Institute there. And then there's, of course, um, different work that's um, gone on at project levels and classwork, et cetera, um, at Georgia Tech as well, at UGA. Um, it's really Kennesaw State, too. It's just been fun uh, to see. Um, and there's um, Professor Robert Owar down at Albany State, who's really taken leadership at Albany State in um, a variety of different um, blockchain related investigations. So there's just been it's been really exciting to see all the different things happening throughout the university system uh, on the academic side around this topic. But yeah, um and then I guess just another you, you you threw out a couple of really good terms there as you were talking, Tariq. One is uh, DeFi, which um, is stands for decentralized finance, and I, uh, maybe we could come back to that in a minute because it's a really important trend to be aware of. And then NFTs, of course, so uh, with non fungible tokens, uh, which are uh, we've been seeing a lot of discussion around in the in the art community and the music community. Um, there's this artist Beeple who sold a non-fungible token for what was it like sixty million dollars? I mean, it's kind of still can't get my head around that entire circumstance, but uh, really kind of lit this whole topic of NFT uh, on fire. And there's been more and more dialogue and discussion about it. Um, so Jagruti, um, tell us about this remarkable company, Bitpay. Sure. Um, 
so yeah, BitPay has been around 10 years. Uh, we are actually the oldest uh, blockchain company in the yeah. world, uh, blockchain payment processing company. So uh, essentially we are, you know, crypto payment processing company. Uh, that, that's what we do. Uh, our founders, our two founders, uh, you know, the way they kind of started the business was, uh, they drew inspiration from Satoshi Nakamoto's uh, Bitcoin white paper um, that came out more than a decade back, and you know they they realized uh, the the uh, how amazing this technology was that could facilitate peer-to-peer payments uh, without having you know without having any intermediaries and kind of expedite the pace at which the whole processing happens, etc. Uh, so they you know that's really how kind of uh, BitPay started. It, it came you know from the minds of these two guys. Um, and and you know, ten years in uh, today, uh, you know, we do quite a bit of things. Are, are, are at the heart of everything. We are, you know, as I said, we are a payment processing company. Uh, so we service merchants like, for example, AT and T, uh, Microsoft. Uh, we essentially help these companies accept crypto from their customers uh, and uh, turn around and settle back uh, to these enterprises in fiat, a uh, fiat of their choice. I mean, they can select, you know, whichever fiat they want. We'll settle that next business day uh, or two depending on you know what kind of whether it's domestic uh, customer or international uh, so at the heart of everything that's really what we do payment processing right uh, we manage the entire workflow uh, of payment processing which uh, gets pretty complicated when you put cryptocurrency in, in the mix uh, you you deal with situations like uh, underpayments overpayments uh, by the shopper right it, what if you know it's not the exact match the, to the amount that was invoiced uh, you know so there are a lot of I guess crypto specific uh, matters uh, that you could run into or businesses could run into when they start accepting cryptocurrency as payments for merchandise um, so th- those are the kind of things that we built into our platform uh, that can automate and make things easy for uh, enterprises to consider accepting the other uh, uh, you know other things that enterprises love about I, I guess using BitPay as a platform for accepting cryptocurrency is that uh, they don't need to deal with cryptocurrency and without having to deal with cryptocurrency on their books they are able to offer this to their customers um, so you know anytime you have cryptocurrency on your books uh, you know I, I'm an yeah, I'm a CPA and a CFO so I, I think about tax impact accounting impact audit impact there are you know other things that you have to consider when you have crypto on your books right uh, and we kind of solve that problem for merchants um, a couple other things we do is uh, we offer a prepaid uh, debit card uh, where uh, in partnership with MasterCard, uh, so it's a MasterCard prepaid debit card where um, users uh, could load their card with you know, cryptos uh, and be able to use that debit card at any any place, uh, just like a normal debit card. Um, mm-hmm. So that's another, uh, I guess, uh, service you offer. Uh, the other, uh, the, the other recent offering, uh, although it's recent for public, but we have been doing this for years. Uh, we uh, work with, uh, we, we actually facilitate payroll uh, in crypto. So if companies want to offer, you know, their employees payroll in Bitcoin instead of you know a regular fiat, uh, we do that. Uh, we work with their payroll processor and uh, you know facilitate the whole uh, crypto payment.
payments in payroll or you know crypto payments to um, uh, vendors or contractors or you know whoever it might be uh, so we do that uh, we actually have been doing that for our employees for past 10 years uh, and realized you know everyone likes it you know we'll offer the solution to people outside and kind of build on it mm-hmm. um, and then outside of that you know we have an amazing app uh, I mean everyone can anyone can download a big pay app and through that app you could sign up for our you know prepaid uh, virtual card uh, you could uh, do a lot of things within the app you could buy and sell crypto you could uh, down the line you could you know maybe even um, uh, there are more features that are uh, I guess uh, getting launched uh, that you would be able to do uh, uh, within uh, our uh, our app environment um, awesome I mean it's a great overview I think uh, just a few things just that have always been remarkable to me one was just this fact that this company is 10 years old and it was created, I think, 18 months or 12, 12 to 18 months after Bitcoin was born. <laughs> I mean, so that to me has just been always remarkable. And these these founders you mentioned, um, Tony Glippy and Stephen Pear, um, you know, you just think about how just how much foresight they had at that time 10 years ago um to create BitPay, it's it's just really remarkable and i should note stephen pear is a georgia tech grad um i'm not, I'm not sure about tony um but the um you know really kind of remarkable foresight um and another thing that I always like to mention with regards to BitPay, I know there's like multiple um, uh, initial investors in the company, but one was Richard Branson and um, Virgin. And I remember being at a conference, um, the big, there's a big FinTech conference every year, Money 2020, that Jaguri, I know you and I have gone to before. And we, I was there, it wasn't too long ago, and they had, Richard Branson come in and do a keynote address. And then like the first two minutes of his address, he's talking about BitPay. <laughs> you know, there's like 30,000 people out. It was just, it was a cool, it was kind of a cool moment. Proud moment as an Atlantan <laughs> to, uh, to hear them talk about that. Um, but the, uh, and then I guess another thing you were mentioning um, is this like core function of BitPay is like to help merchants accept BitPay payments from customers. And then BitPay is facilitating this settlement in fiat. And, and some of you students may not understand that term, but when we're saying fiat, that means fiat cu- currency. That's um, currency that's backed by. Uh, a state government. So I think, you know, I don't know, you keep me straight here, Dream. I'm assuming that the, the most majority of payments being settled in US dollars, that fiat, but I know you've got clients in a lot of different jurisdictions. Um, yes. But that's um, that's what, so it's like allowing, you know, so, so when we're saying the, the merchants never touching crypto, it's because, uh, you know, BitPay is settling everything's in U.S. dollars. Um, right. This so U.S. dollars, like we today we accept like eight different foreign currencies, uh, Billy, or maybe a little more than eight. It's like, for, for example, euros, pounds, uh, you know, whatever interna- international cryptocurrency that's, uh, you know, legal fiat, so to speak, right? Uh, we also, by the way, settle in stable coins uh, and oh. uh, in crypto. 
So if, you know, a company wants Bitcoin and, you know, I don't know, they want Bitcoin back or something, we also do that. But it's a small portion. Most of our merchants prefer settlement in one of the fiat, which is U.S. dollars, euros, pounds, you know, Australian currency, Canadian currency um, or uh, stable coins uh, like USDC, for example. That's, uh, you know, one of the ones uh, that we do. uh, so one of, one of the other things I wanted to mention is uh, w- with this whole settlement process that we do, we yeah. absorb volatility risk. Uh, mm-hmm. So our customers do not have to worry about the price fluctuation, which is huge. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's you can see those spikes like literally like every minute is changing or second. Um, so we, we absorb that and we manage that internally. Uh, we there's also no chargeback risk, uh, which is another huge concern for uh, the traditional payment processing company, uh, traditional payment processing approaches. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think those are some of the big ones. Uh, those are great call outs because um, I know that's I mean, that's often, I guess, the argument merchants or, you know, you'll hear making, uh, you know, why would I take accept Bitcoin for payment when because this currency often, not always, but often is very volatile, like it can move up and down in a matter of seconds by uh, multiple percentage points in about, you know, 100, 200, 300 basis points even. Um, and that is, you know, that's unacceptable. <laughs> that's yeah. unacceptable risk. Yeah, and here's the other thing too, which I didn't mention, which is another reason. So like today, if companies are using credit card to accept payments, right, average fees are probably like 4%, 3 to 4% range something, right? Domestic yeah. wire, oh, sorry, international wires, you know, you're probably paying like 5% on an average. Uh, with BitPay, you're paying 1%. I mean, that's kind of the standard fee that we charge. Uh, you know, in some cases, depending on volume, it could be slightly less than 1%. Uh, but that's it. So from a company's perspective, you know, it's a huge saving, uh, you know, from those few percent minus versus just yeah. 1% that they end up paying. Yeah, you get a sense of just the massive value BitPay can provide to you as a merchant. Um because it, a the transaction cost is cut massively by three times perhaps in some cases um and then there's no risk on the volatility of the bitcoin currency because they're never you're you're managing all that risk um another huge plus and then chargebacks and, and so the audience so you know when we're talking about chargebacks that's what like if you uh, if you're in a um i guess if if you trying to think of a good example there um it's when you dispute a charge <laughs> like it's when uh, if you're bought if you buy something on uh amazon i guess and then um either it, it shows up or what they deliver is not what you had ordered or expected um you're you're not happy and so you're like i'm not going to pay for this and so when you're you're caught you typically you call the merchant Amazon in this case, and you'd be like, I'm, I'm disputing this uh, charge, um, and or you'll handle it through your credit card company. You'll be like, I'm not going to pay this, and then the credit card company takes it from there, and they settle things up. But there's charges that the merchant may have to take on, and there's risk um, that they have to absorb. So um, it, there can be, you know, it's it's a annoy and annoying, and can be a very kind of problematic uh, piece of business risk for any meaningful size merchant to manage and the fact that BitPay is handling that risk as well is really huge. So you bundle all those pieces 
pieces together. It's just a huge value prop, me very meaningful value for a merchant to use BitPay for acceptance. And then it's just a matter of can you get more of your consumers paying, <laughs> uh, you know, with crypto, I guess. It's kind of manage that side of the equation. Um, Tariq, I'm just curious, like, as, as we've been talking, just like what's your been your impression of, uh, of BitPay and these capabilities? Um, I definitely think getting paid in crypto at your place of work is a plus, uh, especially for somebody who's really, really into crypto. Um, and then also the like the debit card that you guys have started offering. I actually got the first iteration of your uh, credit card and then it stopped working until the new one came out. Um, but it's cool to see how you could be paying in a crypto and the merchant on the other side wouldn't necessarily know that you're paying with crypto because all they get is fiat. And it's cool how in the background, like BitPay is handling that settlement. Um, but the merchant daily life is just the same for them. They're just getting paid in the currency they accept. And you're actually paying with Bitcoin, Ethereum or a stable coin. Um, so it's really integrating. It's really pushing forward how like people who are crypto natives or just really want prefer crypto can use it in their daily lives. Because um, I still get that question today, like, what can you even buy with Bitcoin? And then I show them like my debit card that I have, kind of like BitPay's debit card. And I'm like, I can pretty much buy anything I want, same as you. Um, it's just a different currency and it's a different system. Um, so I think it goes to show like the direction we're moving in. Um, it's not so far from what like people think it is. I'm glad you mentioned the payroll piece because that one's been interesting to me too. I hadn't really paid much attention to it until there were some stories recently about NFL players taking a percentage of their compensation from the NFL in cryptocurrency. And I was like, holy cow. <laughs> I was like, well, that could be a pretty good idea. Um, but like, Jagruti, I mean, it has, is that are you seeing a lot of growth there in that part of the business? Um, I'm just, I guess I'm just curious about that. And, you know, I kind of, you know, NFL, that's kind of one class of folks that I can't really relate to. <laughs> uh, but like, are you seeing like everyday people like me's employers, I guess, starting to really think seriously about offering this or beginning to offer it? Yeah, no, we are. That's one of our. Yes, we are seeing a lot of interest. Uh, in fact, it's a. Uh, uh, it is growing fast uh, for sure. Uh, you know, now I feel, especially uh, since you know what's what's been happening in the whole crypto space, right? Since last year, yeah. I feel like last year was really when we started seeing uh, people, companies, entrepreneurs uh, kind of get more comfortable with the whole concept of crypto. Um, yeah. So I almost feel like we are today as an industry, we are kind of entering the second phase of blockchain or crypto where, you know, the first phase was what is crypto? You know, maybe yeah. I'll dabble in crypto, maybe I'll not think about crypto kind of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Second phase is, all right, now I have crypto, I want to spend it or how do I, uh, you know, spend crypto or how do I get crypto uh, kind of thing right so i feel like uh, that second phase is really where bitpay is positioned really well for uh and payroll yes it's definitely one of the things that one of the uh, it's pretty attractive in fact even from a recruiting standpoint you know right we kind of you know offer that it's like yeah i mean that's pretty cool that we offer you know payroll and bitcoin uh to our employees yeah, that makes sense to me, too. That's a really good point on recruiting. And I could see like technology companies being very interested in it or any 
any employer that's got a, like a meaningful millennial Gen Z group there beginning. Even international, like uh, yeah. from an, like if you have employees outside or contractors outside of the country, it's just mm -hmm. easier, I, I guess, you know, to an extent to kind of pay with crypto. Uh, and crypto does not just, it could be stable coin, which is, you know, you're kind of not taking any kind of, um, I guess, volatility risk uh, if you accept a stable coin uh, versus a Bitcoin or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I've heard um, going on that point, like people where their native currency is just, I would say garbage in their sense, uh, just unusable. Um, getting paid in crypto could be an option for them. Especially if it's like a USDC, like a stable coin. Yeah. Um, they could be they could have a stable income. Um Yeah, I'm and I'm very uh, and I guess I'm interested and excited to see how stable coins continue to evolve. Um yeah, I guess most particularly specifically here in the U.S., um, you know, we, we're starting to hear more about the Federal Reserve. I mean, they've been studying it and looking at it very closely, um, and they've said that for several years. But it seems like the 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 uh, the information or there's a greater level of import being placed on um, the future of a of a Federal Reserve backed digital currency for the U.S. and and then we're seeing even greater progress in other parts of the world, right? I mean, there's uh, we don't have as much information, or I guess as I would like, of what China's doing, but there is there seems to be some very significant volumes that that China's putting through their um, their digital currency, uh, and then you know more and more companies are, I mean, countries, sorry, are looking at it. In fact, we're having the um, the uh, the Central Bank of the Bahamas, um, they're coming on it into a student event um, later this month uh, to talk about their uh, central bank currency and how that's been facilitated and, and its adoption rate. So I'm looking forward to learning a bit about that. And then, and then I'll just say, I get a lot of inbound from bankers that are really trying to understand stablecoin in depth um, as they begin to think about their own um, offerings and what they need to be supporting for their their clients. Um, it's just it's clearly under serious cons consideration in the in the marketplace, which I could just see really um, just being another at zone or avenue of uh, you know that, that Bitcoin that BitPay is going to address and support in the marketplace um, as as it continues to develop. Well, um, we're starting to come near the end of our show, our program. So I want to um, pivot us to our um, our our in cap segment, which is always us kind of talking about interesting fintech news that we've uh, that's drawn our attention in the last week. Um, so Tariq, why don't I start with you? What's uh, what's caught your what's caught your attention in the last week? Oh, I think you're on mute, Derek. Yeah, so the, the last week, um, I think the news building up to today, which was the Ethereum improvement proposal 
um, that went through this actually this morning. Um, so Ethereum is probably the second largest network on the blockchain at the moment. And it's home to a bunch of projects, um, which we call decentralized applications. And the big thing for any blockchain is what it, how much it costs to operate on that network. So this improvement proposal, which was EIP-1559, it basically changes the way transactions work on Ethereum. Um, right now, to initiate transactions, you need to pay something else that's called gas, and that's what's required to do computation on the blockchain. And right now, the current model before the upgrade was, it was based on an auction. So people trying to initiate transactions on the blockchain would have to fight with other people to get their transaction through because the miners are looking for people who can pay the most gas, the most computation. Right. So now the proposal changed it. So all you have to pay is that there's a base fee and that is what pushes your uh, transaction along and then there's also an optional inclusion fee which is like a tip to the miners and that's what they get um so it basically like levels the playing field and it makes things much more affordable and much more stable for people trying to initiate transfers and transactions on the blockchain there's a lot more to it but i won't get into it but basically it's just making everything easier and more stable going forward as the network scales mm-hmm. yeah that's exciting i've um I've been, I mean, Ethereum has really interested me just because it's one of those protocols that's got a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of uh, functionality that it's capable of supporting. So I love hearing uh, about its evolution in ways that are going to clearly make it even more powerful um, for use in a lot of different um, manners. Yeah, and speaking on the functionality, this kind of goes to... Uh, when Jagruti brought up, it's no longer, it's like the introduction to crypto. It's more going on to more like the utilization, like how do we use it? So that was the phase. Um, phase one was, what is crypto? Right. And mm-hmm. now it's, how can we utilize crypto now that we have it and understand it? Mm-hmm. And this fits directly into something you brought up in the very beginning of the discussion, uh, decentralized finance, DeFi. Yeah. Uh, Say just a little bit more about that. Yeah, so that's actually what's uh, keeping me in crypto for so long. It's something that keeps me going. And DeFi is stands for decentralized finance. And there's um, this is basically the financial instruments that are being built on the blockchain um, that are open and welcoming to anybody. Um, it kind of opens up the playing field um, as opposed to centralized financial instruments. And it's giving people who don't have a bank, who don't want to go through any like KYC, um, nominal KYC, the ability to access financial instruments and capital um, on a level where they never would have thought they would be able to in a centralized system with a traditional bank. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and I know something that's going to get a lot of attention. Um, as as things continue to evolve um Jagruti, how about you what's caught your attention out in the out in the fintech world uh i think everything that uh, tariq mentioned you know that's obviously been the news uh the other uh, i guess couple of things just from a 
just the overall, and this is not, you know, it's not something that's happening recently, but regulatory changes, uh, the regulatory landscape, uh, you know, obviously cryptocurrency, digital assets, it is catching attention of uh, appropriate regulatory bodies, uh, SEC, for example, right? So there's always, uh, well, there's always some sort of clarification or some sort of, uh, you know, that uh, some sort of, uh, I guess, indications that uh, there'll be more scrutiny or more regulations on uh, crypto transactions and uh, you know um, you, you know likely a need for uh, you know providing more KYC information uh, on from by users uh, uh, just so you know regulatory bodies can I guess uh, manage the whole process uh, and ensure a more uh, appropriate transaction so to speak uh, you know stuff like that I feel like it's good changes because you know the right bodies are looking into it and you know clearly you know the reason they're looking into it they know that it's coming they know the space is here to stay uh you know and something needs to be done about it uh so every you know everything is streamlined and uh there's not a whole lot of room for bad actors in the space so to me any change is good change yeah i mean some changes there's room for modification you know not all changes should be the way they are proposing so to speak uh but, uh, you know, those are just some of the things that are uh, kind of happening in the regulatory uh, space. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Um, the one thing that that I just have really caught my attention in just the last week was this. There was this large infrastructure bill that is going through Congress, U.S. Congress. And um, as that that bill's been positioned, it's it's very, you know, it's costly. It's going to be clo- over close to a trillion dollars, I think, or 600, or billion, a lot, very big bill. And um, the, you know, folks are like, are you going to, well, is the government going to raise taxes to pay for this infrastructure bill? And what, part of the answer from the Biden administration has been like, no, we're not going to raise taxes. We're going to pay for like a third of this bill um, by going and collecting more taxes on cryptocurrency uh, traders. And I was like, holy cow. <laughs> like, I wasn't, uh, I mean, I followed the logic, but I was just, it caught me by surprise that like cryptocurrency, um, you know, tax tax collection um, related to t- t- cryptocurrency gains, capital gains would um, be, you know, considered a, a way to, to fund a major infrastructure bill for the United States of America. Uh, it's just kind of remarkable. And then I know that's also driven more regulatory conversation around crypto. So I'm just curious to see how that continues to progress and play out. Um, the, I guess the last thing I'll mention from a news standpoint is uh, the Robinhood IPO. Um, this uh, occurred um, last week. Uh, it was the the IPO is a little bit quirky in that how much of the um, the shares were allocated to Robinhood retail investors, um, and when the IPO launched, um, it really went flat. Like I think it closed the day of the IPO even below the offer price of thirty eight dollars a share. Um, you know, being Robinhood and being the meme stock world that we seem to be in right now, uh, the last two or three days of trading have been pretty fascinating. And um, that share price has now, I think, more than doubled um, since late last week. So that'll be uh, news I'm sure we'll continue to talk about <laughs> uh, as we see how that um, that company evolves in the uh, in the public markets. Well, listen, Jagruti, you are 
always welcome at the Georgia Fintech Academy. Thank you for being engaged with us. Um, it is just such a it is such is such a wonderful uh, gift of your time, and um, we're so fortunate to have you and BitPay as part of our. Um, our local Georgia fintech ecosystem. I think it's, it's certainly one of the major regions reasons um, Georgia is considered a leader in fintech. Um, so just great to have you. And then Tariq, thanks for coming back and uh, look forward to working with you as you move into your senior year here. And um, thanks for the all Georgia your engagement. The Georgia Fintech Academy podcasts uh, are available topic. on iTunes and Spotify. To obtain additional information about the Georgia Fintech Academy, please visit our website at georgiafintechacademy.org.